And we're going to continue uh, with this series, uh, Wisdom Over Fear. And we're going to continue to look into this. And again, I'm going to I'm going to reiterate this every week until you guys know what I'm going to say uh, is this. As we read the Old Testament, we have to read it within the context. That's always important. Uh, we, actually, it's important when you read the New Testament that you read it in context, too. Um, but what we do is uh, oftentimes I don't know about you, but in my my earlier days, uh, you'd be like, ah, the Old Testament doesn't apply to us. We're followers of Jesus, all right? He's New Testament, and, and I just want to say to you that um, I could not have been more wrong, um, and neither could you be more wrong. Uh, so we're in this together. We're wrong together. But, but when we look at the Old Testament in the light of the New Testament, it just gives us this sharper and better picture of what is going on, because everything in the Bible is pointing to Jesus. And so we're going to continue uh, with this with the book of Daniel. Uh, we've now gone through Daniel 1 completely, verses 1 through 21. Um, and so 1 through 21, real quick uh, recap is this enculturation process that's happening that, that Daniel and his friends are going through, that they've changed their names, they've taken them, the Babylonians have changed their name, they've taken them away from their homeland, um, they offered them the best foods of Babylon, uh, and then they're training and educating them in the ways of uh, Babylonian society and culture. And, and we see that Daniel and his friends walk in this obedience. They're, they're constantly hearing from God, and they're walking in obedience to what God is saying and what God is doing. And so we see that, that uh, by, by winning the respect and affection of the chief of staff and attendant that was given, that respect and affection was given by the Holy Spirit. And so we see that Daniel and his friends have this respect uh, and admiration of the attendant. Um, and because we looked at this and we said this, God builds, he tears down walls in order to build bridges, right? He tears down barriers in order to build bridges. And they knew this. They knew that they had a choice to follow God or not. I mean, you see it, we, we went over Deuteronomy um, 30 last week where, where, look, you're given a choice. You can either follow God and you can walk that path of blessing or you can walk away from that and then destruction will be brought to you. It's real, it's clear cut. Right? And they knew this, Daniel and his friends knew this, and then Paul reminds us of this again in 1 Corinthians 1, uh, 10 through 31. Um, this, hey, we're going to, as a church, capital C church and as a local body, we're going to live in unity together. It's our call to do this because in, he reminds the Ephesians of this. Uh, he says, we're not battling against human beings here. Okay? We're battling against principalities of darkness where we can't see them. And that's what we need to understand. And I, I, I want to say this. I just want to start off today by saying, hey, I love you guys. I want to say that to you. Hey, guess what? I don't agree with you guys. And you don't agree with me on some stuff, but I love you guys. And, and we can do that. And, and in the kingdom, because here's what I know in this room and, and watching online is there's people who are kingdom people, who, who su that supersedes anything that they believe here 
It supersedes this. And I, I love that about the kingdom, that we can have different views on things and we can love one another. And, and that's the unity, and that's the, that's the unity that we need in the church. And we're going to go over why I believe we need that. It's not, it, well, it's really just because, well, Jesus said we need it. All right, but that's the bottom line. I want to articulate that today, though, as we look through Daniel 2. And so we're going to look in here, and, and we see that, that Daniel uh, is going to be able to interpret this dream. And so this is a cool thing uh, that Daniel has been given the ability to do. I'm not going to read all of the verses today. It's fairly long, but I'm going to give you a synopsis of what is going on. And so I would highly encourage you, though, uh, get out of your Bible uh, when you get home. Uh, if you're home right now, uh, don't do it now. All right. Do it after the service. But but read Daniel 2. All right. Go back and read Daniel 1 and then read Daniel 2. Hold up. You want us to read two chapters of the Bible? Yes. All right. It should take you about maybe 15 minutes. You'd be good to go. And if it takes you longer, awesome. And so we see Daniel here uh, and we see this king called Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar is the king of this country, uh, this empire called Babylon. Right. And so he has this dream and it's it freaks him out. It says it disturbs him so much that he couldn't sleep. Uh, and then he calls all the people. Right. All the people that were supposed to be able to do this. He calls his magicians, his enchanters, his sorcerers, his astrologers. Uh, and he says, I want to know what my dream means. And here's what they say. Well, just tell us what the dream was. And then. I will tell you what it means. And Nebuchadnezzar, in so many words, says, no, you don't understand. You're going to tell me what the dream was, and you're going to tell me the meaning of it. That's what you're going to do. Or, here's the deal, I'm going to end your life. Okay? Just talked to a friend this morning. They had an awesome dream last night. Um, they were cleaning out somebody's car, and the car in one of the compartments was full of baked beans. Full of baked beans. <laughs> And my friend in the dream says, the, the person came around and said, how's it going? Uh, and, and my friend in the dream looks up and he says, I tell you what, if we had a piece of garlic bread and some brisket, we'd have a big deal. Okay? That was his entire dream. Okay? So, <laughs> so I told him, I said, I will stop at, at a barbecue place and bring you lunch today. Because clearly... You need, God is saying you need barbecue. But So we had this dream sometime, but the, he had this dream that was so disturbing, and he calls it and he says, no, you're going to tell me what the dream was. And they say in reply back to him, no one can do this. Like, just tell us what the dream was and we'll tell you. And he goes, no, but I see what you're doing. I want you to tell me what the dream was. I want you to tell me what the dream was. And if you don't, again, you're going to lose your life. And I love this because no one can do this. No one can interpret it. It says this uh, in Daniel 2, 14. Uh, it says, when Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, it was time. They had not told Nebuchadnezzar the dream and the interpretation, it was time for them to be killed. When he came to kill them, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. Golly, I don't know about you all, but I could use that 
wisdom and discretion. There are, has anybody here, if you're online, have you ever had a situation where you didn't handle a situation with wisdom and discretion yesterday? All right? Or, or the day before. If you're like me, it's like a daily thing. You're like, oh gosh, I could have handled that better. Oh man, I wish I wouldn't have said that. Oh, I should have probably said this. Or, you know, I should have done this. You guys deal with this. And so Daniel handles it with wisdom and uh, discretion. And it goes on, it says this in 17, uh, verse 17. He said, well, he asked him, hey, can I get a little more time? And then in 17, Daniel went home, and here's what I love. Daniel went home and he told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, what had happened. He urged them to ask God, the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling the secret so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. Okay, that's called compassion. He's not just looking out for himself, he's looking out for other people as well. I don't want to be executed. I don't want these other people to be executed. Ask God for wisdom. And so he says, uh, they, they cried out, uh, and so what would be the secret so that they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon? In 19 it picks up and it says this, that night the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. And then Daniel praised the God of heaven. And, and here is what he said. And prayer, you guys know, prayer is not always just, God, I need, I need, I need, please, I want, I want this thing, okay? It is, it is an expression to God that is a communication. So God communicates to Daniel. He gives him the meaning, he gives him the dream, and he gives him the meaning of the dream. Daniel is praying in an expression back to God, and he says this, Praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness, though he is surrounded by light. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors, for you have given me the wisdom and strength. You have told me what we ask of you. You have told me what we ask of you. We'll come, let's just deal with that right now. You have told me what we ask of you. Does that speak of, hey, connection? Does that speak of community? Does that speak that they were in this together? Right? You spoke to me what we collectively have asked you. And you revealed to us what the king demanded. I want to tell you something. God will show up. He does show up. But here's what I want us to get here. What was the first thing that happened? Hey guys, got some news. Uh, the king's going to kill you because uh, you, can't inter you can't tell him and interpret the dream. So you're all going to die. You know, at uh, sundown, all right? Just FYI. All right, what's the first thing Daniel does? Oh, man, what are we going to do? I don't even know what we're going to do. No, he says this. He goes back to his friends and he said, let's pray. Let's pray right now. Will you pray with me that God will reveal what, what the demands of the king are? Will you pray with me? And they said, yes, we'll pray with you. Because it says here, we ask you and you delivered. And so we're in this thing 
together. And the first thing that we need to do is pray to God. And, and here's what he recognized. This is what Daniel recognized. And I hope that we're recognizing this now is this, that God is the only answer. He is the answer. He is the answer. And so in Daniel 2, 27 and 28, it says this. Uh, he goes in, he says, hey, don't kill. Uh, previous, he says, don't kill them. I'm going to go in. Give me a little bit more time to, you know, get the dream. Uh, I'm going to go in. I'm going to see uh, the king. Uh, and he says this. Uh, I mean, this is amazing to me. Uh, the king in 26, it says, the king said to Daniel, uh, is this true? Can you tell me what my dream was and what it means? Now, can you imagine, you know, you've put this challenge out there. And because you kind of know, like, no one can do this. Like, this is impossible. And then Nebuchadnezzar says, you can, can you really tell me what it means? And in, in, in 27, says this, Daniel replied, there is no wise men enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. I want to speak to that for a second. Daniel was a wise man. Do you understand that? Daniel was no slouch. Daniel carried a degree from Oxford, all right, and MIT. He was smart. He was selected because of that. They had gone through three years of training, and here's what he says. His first line is, there are no wise men. He puts himself in that category. There are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. And then he continues on in 28, and he says this, but there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now I will tell you your dream and the visions you saw you saw as you lay on your bed. Now I want us to get a, get a, a clue here. Okay? They pray. God speaks. He goes and delivers. He doesn't go and deliver to some random person. He's going to the king of this empire. He knows the power that he wields. And he goes in and with confidence he says, There is no one wise enough to do what you ask. But there is a God in heaven who created all things. And he has revealed it to me. I wonder if you and I walk in that confidence. There is no wise thing that I can say into a situation, but I know that there's a God in heaven who can speak into situations. Do we walk with that kind of humility? And last week I noted this, that, that we are given the assignment to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I wonder if we know what that means. And it's through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives that he will tear down barriers. You're not tearing down barriers to build bridges, the Holy Spirit is going to use you to do that. And I, I, we were talking this morning before service. I believe, again, we're in a time where we can choose to be kingdom people or we can choose to not be kingdom people. That is a reality. And it's not just in this day. It's been the choice. I believe we're living in a time of awakening, though. Awakening of hearts and minds. I was talking to a good friend last week after service, and we talked about how we need to search our 
in our hearts in order to see if there's anything in us that would get in the way of serving Jesus. And one of my friends, he doesn't know we're friends, but we're friends online. I met him, I met him once, so we're friends. And so his name's Gino, and, and he, he teaches in the, or he pastors the uh, South Suburban um, Vineyard in Chicago. Very diverse church. Um, and, and he says uh, there's, there's two kinds of ignorance. Uh, there's arrogant ignorance, and then there's like humble ignorance. Humble ignorance is those people that were gathered around the table at the Last Supper, and, and one of you, Jesus says, one of you will betray me, and 11 of them were, uh, will it be me? Like, are you, is it going to be me Like, that's going to do that? Okay? Uh, arrogant ignorance is Peter. Later on, I will never betray you. I will never, you know. One says, man, I, I want to be open. I want you to search my heart. Is that going to be me? And there's one that says, I will never. There's a difference there. And so, so what we want to do is this. We want to build, we want to be barrier breakers so that we can build bridges. And so you guys know, I mean, gosh, how much information do we have at our fingertips? You know, if I said Chuck's got his tablet out right now, uh, and he's still, guys, pray for him. He's using a Samsung. Okay, listen, we're going to switch him to an iPad. Never. Uh, no, but if I said to Chuck right now, I said, Chuck, give me the, uh, you know, population of Lakeland. I mean, he'd have it. In 30 seconds or less, it'd be there. And if you did it on Google, it would tell you that it, it got uh, 14 million results. And here are the top 10. Okay? And if I said to anyone in the room or if you're at home and I said, hey, look this up on your phone real quick. You're there. Yes, right now. I know how to bake chicken. Right now. I can do it. We have endless information. But I want to propose to you today that in an age of endless information, we do not have endless knowledge. See, we propose that because we have information, therefore we have knowledge. And I want to, I want to break this down a little bit. If we think that we're automatically knowledgeable because you did a Google search and come to find out the Google search that he did was wasn't accurate, or it was from 2003, the population, I thought, man, Chuck, I thought the, I thought the population was higher now, but, but, and then what we do is as we refine and as he would learn and as he would look and, and he would search more and he would know more, he would begin to understand that the population has actually grown by 25%. That was an old statistic. And, and so what we need to do is this, I propose this, because of the amount of information we have, we actually think we know, we, th we think we're knowledgeable, but I would propose to you this today, that because of the amount of information we have, all we are is ready for a game show. We're not ready to actually know things. You might do well on Jeopardy. I don't know how you're going to do in life. And because of this, and I believe that this knowledge slash wisdom are vastly different than just information. Vastly different. And I want us to get a very easy look at this. 
Do you want, you're going to build a brand new home, okay? Picture it in your mind, whatever it looks like. For some of you, it's a tiny home. For some of you, it's a not tiny home, okay? But here's what I want. Do you want the builder to have information about building, or do you want that builder to have the knowledge of building? Okay? Just because you looked up a YouTube video on how to build a home doesn't make you a home builder. Because there's going to be that one point when you get and there's a stud here and it's something and then you're like, this, this place has no hallways. I can't get out of the living room. But I had information, but I didn't have knowledge. And so... The thing that I want to say to us today is this. We have to humble ourselves. But how do we get there? How do we get to where Daniel says, you know, hey, there's no wise men, enchanters, magicians that could do this, but there's a God in heaven. And here's how he did it. He walked in humility. He walked in humility because we're on assignment. I don't know if you know this. We're on assignment. We, we have this thing in Matthew 28 called the Great Commission. All right? And what our assignment is in Matthew 28, 16 through 20, it, it says this. They were gathered on the mountaintop. I'm going to give you a paraphrase and then I'll read. They were gathered on the mountaintop, um, but there were some that still doubted. Some that still doubted. The risen Christ is standing before you, and they still doubted. All right? And so he says this, um, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always and into the end of the age. I think what we've done in the church is this far too long is that we've been satisfied with having information um, instead of knowledge. That on Sunday mornings or a podcast or whatever we do to get our information, we, we rest there and we pursue no more knowledge. And so what I want to propose to you is this. Can we actually go through with this? Can we actually uh, go into all nations and make disciples? And what does that mean? Does that mean, hey, go into all nations and make sure that they pray a prayer? Is that what that means? I don't remember Jesus ever doing an altar call. Now just say this prayer with me walk you down Romans Road. Well, Romans Road was after Jesus. No. Dude, he had disciples. Right? And so just like Daniel and his friends are completely dependent on God, they're seeking the wisdom of God, we are completely dependent on God in our own lives. This will never get fulfilled if we try to do it on our own. Well, if I if we can get them saved, if we can dunk them in the tub and bring them up, Dallas Willard says this, I love it. He says, you know, we think it's just baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and boom, put it on our stats. 
Here's what he proposes this. Actually, baptizing them is, is discipling people. And then, if we're going to disciple people, what do we have to do? We have to be disciples. Right? We have to follow what, what Christ is doing. And so, uh, I want to work kind of backwards here. In Matthew 23, 23 and 24, it says this, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income of your herb gardens, the mint, the dill, uh, the cumin, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the important things, the more important things, blind guides, you strain your water so that you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you swallow a camel. And what I'm saying to you today, church, is this. And I'm admitting it myself. I have, I have strained the water so I wouldn't swallow a gnat, but I've swallowed a camel instead. See, we, and Jesus says, you know, yeah, you have to be as righteous as the Pharisees. You have to be as righteous as the Pharisees. I mean, he's like, hey, you guys, you guys got that portion of it. Great. But here's the problem. You ignore the actual things that matter. How many of you, like me, have made a, you've majored on the minors instead of majoring on the majors? And I think that we can all say that, that we've done that. Man, the important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, it says this. Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy, heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. I want to encourage us all this morning to love people where they are. If we were to look at Jesus' disciples, we would say, and they were just, we didn't know they were the disciples. We would say, there ain't no way Jesus is choosing those 12. I mean, you had a zealot, you know, anti, uh, you had an anti-government person. Then you have a tax collector, all right? You have these Billy Bob fishermen, all right? Who, and then you have an intellect and there ain't no, there's no way. That's what we would say today. And I want to encourage you with this, that, that I believe that, that Jesus is calling us to be a church that's united with one voice. And that, that voice is the voice of the kingdom. That voice is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and that's the voice. I just want to encourage you with this, that, that everything outside of the kingdom is peripheral. Everything outside of the kingdom is peripheral. Does everybody understand? We need to understand that. 
Because what we can do is we can then attach ourselves to things. We can begin to fight for things that aren't eternal. And I just want to encourage you with this. God is not on a four-year cycle. Revival is not on a four-year cycle. Revival is not on a six-year cycle or a two-year cycle or whoever gets elected and then God will come. He is on the move right now. In the midst of everything that we see happening in our nation, we can confidently say that God is on the move. We can confidently and humbly, like my friend said, God, search my heart so the things that I see or that, that I don't see in myself will come to the surface. And let me tell you something. Over the last weeks, there's just been moments where I've been walking around and I just start crying. Because something comes to the surface in me that's ugly. And I can do this. I can say, eh, that ain't real. Or I can say, okay, God, would you deal right now with this? With this thought that I have about this person, would you deal with that? And, and here's, what we, here's what cracks me up. It doesn't crack me up. It's just I'm concerned. We want to see transformation. If I, I mean, if I said right now, how many of you want to see the nation transformed for Jesus? All right. And then we had a real next question and you gave the real answer. How many of you are being transformed by Jesus? See, we want this. We want this macro transformation without allowing God to transform the person who we are. And let me tell you, I mean, we think, uh, you know, we have it tough right now. We don't have it tough. We don't have it tough. Daniel is in exile, taken away from uh, his family. I don't even know if he has his manhood anymore. Because everybody who serves in the king's court was a eunuch. Okay? He's gone through this. He's been enculturated, and yet he's still saying, but God can do this. I know there's a God. There's a God who I can depend on. And so in this moment, what I would say to you is put on the yoke of Jesus. Let Jesus lead you. Because if you put, you're going to put on a yoke. You're going to work with something. You're not ever going to go through this thing alone. You're going to work with something. Why not have Jesus be leading you? Because he is the only true answer. Micah 6, 8 says this. And God's asking, he's like, do you think I want all your sacrifices? Do you think I want all of this stuff? I don't want it. Here's what I want. Oh, people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you to do what is right, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Believe it is in Amos where he says, I don't want your sacrifices. I just want you. Paraphrase. If God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, I believe he's saying that to us today. 
I believe God is saying, I don't want your opinion, I want your yes. I believe God is saying, I don't want your political belief, I want your yes to the kingdom. I believe God is saying, hey, if there's people that are being unjustly treated in our nation and in others, I don't want your opinion about it, I want to see justice. I believe that God is saying, oh, well, we don't look, we don't look alike or, you know, we don't think alike, therefore we can't be brothers and sisters. I believe God is saying, no, you will be because God has created you for relationship." There are a few things that I don't believe God is in the market for discussing. What is right, what is to love mercy, and what is to walk humbly. I don't think those are, I don't think those are up for discussion. But here's what I would say. What Daniel said there, but there's a God in heaven. What we hold with the message of Jesus Christ is the ultimate knowledge. But too often we settle for information. And we cannot do that anymore. Too often we say, yes, I'm a follower of Christ. But I got to share this post with you about this thing. That's, I think this is the way it is. Okay. Can I encourage you this morning? I know this is going to be kind of a rant, but I just... Can you do this? Share the gospel as much as you share your other information. Amen. Okay? Share the gospel as much. And can I encourage you with this? Share it more. Because if we're, if we're serious, if we're saying, okay, God, you, you know what's going on in our nation, and we think... Jesus is the only answer. Here's what I would say to your friends. Sometimes don't talk, just listen. And then when the moment comes up that you can say something, say something in love to somebody. It's like it's our job to like get them quote right. How many of you think when you walk in to heaven, the first thing that you're going to do is Jesus is going to run up to you and be like, boom, boom, top gun, you know, hand clap. He's like, you got everything right. All of your Facebook posts and Instagram, all of that stuff, you nailed it. Okay, you come this, we got a little extra for you. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we joke, but seriously. Like, how much stuff do we share that's like, I'm going to show them? Or is it like, hey, I would love for us to work towards justice together. I would love for us to do kingdom work together. And I'm going to say that to you all this morning. I would, I would love to do kingdom work with you all. But I have to tell you, I have to tell you, I'm done. I'm done arguing about things. I, I don't care. Okay? I don't care about the latest deep state conspiracy. I don't. Because if it's true, I can't do anything about it anyways. 
You know, I don't, I, I, to say that I'm dismissive of, of politics is not true. I believe this, though. We have to get a hold of ourselves and say, God, transform me. Transform me. So if you transform me and then I run for office, what's going to be on the top priority is the kingdom of God. I would love it if people in this room, if you want to get involved locally in politics, amen. But please let Jesus transform your life first. Because what we're going to do is just going to take these views into where we go. And Jesus is still going to be on the sideburn. If we really believe that Jesus is the only answer, then guess who we have to rely on? It is Jesus. If we really want to be bridge builders, let me tell you something. I've never seen a bridge that has been built for free. Bridge builders are going to experience costs that they might have never anticipated before. But are we going to stick to the project of building bridges even when the going gets tough? And I have to tell you, the answer for me is yes. I would rather die than not be a bridge builder. And so I invite you to do that. This morning even. I invite you to say, God, will you search my heart? Will you take the things that I hold so near and dear, and, and will they just dissolve before you? Because I want to serve you. I want to hear from you in the things that you're doing. Will you do that? So I invite you, like I'm going to do and will be doing and have been doing, hold the things of your heart before God. And here's the other thing that I think is so important. If we actually want to see God move is this. Then we take those things that surface up and we repent of them. And we say, God, I am so sorry for the way that I have looked at this person, for the things that I've done, the things that I've said, the things that are buried so far in my heart that I can hardly see them, that they're just these natural flexes that I do now. Would you come and take that? And then we submit that to God. And then we walk with the yoke of Jesus Christ, who's going to lead us. Dallas Willard also said this. He, he gets cracked up when people say, man, spiritual life is tough. He's like, no, it's not. It should be one of the easiest things that we do. Because you're attached to Jesus. Spiritual life is tough when we're trying to do it on our own. And we're trying to make things happen. When we're attached to Jesus, the spiritual life, you should be, if you are a follower, a disciple of Jesus, you should be the happiest person you know. And I don't mean, I'm blessed, okay? I mean like, there's hope, there is a purpose, there is a plan, I am, there is no hope that is lost, I have made some mistakes, but I'm forgiven, I'm walking in a new day because Jesus is alive and well, I'm making new decisions, I'm looking at people as image bearers of God, the Imago Day is on them, therefore I am going to treat them as a human being, I'm going to say, God, would you come and move, I don't care who's in office because you're on the move, my hope is not in some president some senator, some house of representative, a local commissioner. It is in Jesus Christ alone. 
Will I pray for all those people? Absolutely. But my hope isn't in them. And that's what I love about the book of Daniel. He prayed for those people. He searched the heart of God. And he submitted his life before the king. The real king. The Lord of Lords. And he said, hey, have your way. So stand with me this morning. Even you at home, stand up. It's weird. I get it. And you're like, I'm in my lazy boy. Stand up, okay? If you have the ability to stand up, I just encourage you to do that. Pray with me. Father God, we thank you so much that you are in control. We thank you that you're on the move. And we thank you, God, that your desire is to be in relationship with people, that people would follow you. And I pray that over this church called Lakeland Vineyard. I pray that over the church of Lakeland, uh, the, church, the capital C church in the world, that we would put you as the first priority in our lives, that our hope would rest in you alone. That we would look at situations and we could say, wow, this looks impossible, but God is in control. And he can answer the questions of our day. So God, I pray that we would forfeit simple information and we would long for the knowledge and wisdom that you offer us. We thank you, Jesus, that your desire is to move and we pray that you would come and you would have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen.